bless him as he shares with us tonight. never know what God's going to do when you when you say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Um, I have to say, in the 12, t- 12 trips I've made in missions, uh, this trip to the Philippines is probably the most impactful in my entire life. And once I, I show you why, I, I, one of the students and also ministry members at the church that we were at, young lady by the name of Aya, Aya's 19, lives with her mother, and is in college, and uh, she lives in an 8 by 8 room, concrete floor, and sleeps on a blanket. Um, the day that uh, we were leaving, and we were, we were up at 3 in the morning, leaving four in the morning to be at the airport at six in the morning to catch a flight at nine in the morning to then fly almost 21 hours to get back to the U.S. of A. So you can understand the jet lag and the experience. But young Aya stayed up all night till about four in the morning when we swung by the church and she made this video and she had class to go to at 11 in the morning. When you see a 19-year-old on fire for God, a young lady, living on a, as poor as, as poor can be, but her love for Jesus is, is 100% greater than a lot of people that have a lot of things but don't have that passion for the Lord. I'm not comparing, I'm just telling you a report, so I'm being honest. So let's play that video, and uh, I want you to see the pictures. And she's high-tech. I'm low-tech to no-tech, so you know I need help. Amen. That's the host church that we were staying at called Greenbox. We visited a, a, Bob, a college there, Laguna State Polytechnical. We fed over 100 plus children and, and they were so happy that day because some of them didn't know if they were going to get that type of meal. They got a Kentucky Fried Chicken type meal with a mascot encouraging the kids. It was, it was beautiful for them. They were smiling all day. 
man in the blue shirt is a murderer and a drug dealer who now is an on-fire Christian guy. He's leading five families already to the Lord this year, and his goal is 50 by the end of the year. And I won't count Brother Odie out of that. This young lady is leading the campus ministry, has 45 students already in Bible study. And she's the reigning beauty queen for San Pablo City, and she is an on-fire, fiery evangelist, a great young Christian lady. And you know, this year's Miss USA was Miss Philippines, so you never know. This young lady uh, may have a great future in that area. I went with Pastor Brent Harris, and we ministered to Aya. That's the young lady in the picture, uh, the one I just spoke about that lived on a concrete floor. That day we gave her a sack of rice and food, and she was crying. And uh, another family that we ministered to uh, that were just really um, living on bare necessities that we were able to minister to. They're a society that is a collective group of people. In other words, they do everything in groups. They really have small group ministry down like no other place I've ever seen on the planet. Uh, I'm teaching in a seminar. Pastor Brent Harris, who went with me on this trip, is a great singer. And uh, he sang and he preached also. Souls got saved. Uh, that was Valentine's Day Sunday message. I preached on agape love, unconditional love. And, uh, this should be the last slide on that. That's the church. The guy in the red shirt's Pastor Brent. The Team Jesus folks at the front are the pastor and his wife. And uh, I'm in the middle there next to the pastor. I'm going to ask uh, the two young men I talked to earlier to help me. I say young. We're all young. You know. Amen. If we get to the center, it'd be good, so that way both sides can see. And we got to raise it up a little bit so I can point. This is the Philippines right here. Can everybody get a, at least a visual on the Philippines right here? This purple island in the Pacific Ocean. Prophetically speaking, I'm going to speak to you for a moment prophetically. There's been a prophecy about the Philippines over 30 years ago that the Philippine nation would be the nation that God would use in the last days. It's the only Christian nation in the 1040 window. We that study missions, the 1040 is the place on planet Earth that has the biggest stronghold, mostly because it's surrounded by Islamic nations. You have Japan that believes in Shinto. You have Thailand that believes in Buddhism. The only Christian nation that was an American Missionaries have devoted their life over the past hundred years has been the Philippines. When they became property of the U.S. territory, 
1898 Spanish-American War, if you know your history. Thirty-some years ago, it was prophesied that God would raise up this generation. Okay, folks, you can put that down. Let me just talk a little bit. Thank you so much. Appreciate good help, I tell you. Can't find that every day. <laughs> um, let me just share, and I'm just going to share from the Bible for a moment before I, I speak any further. Before I say anything else, I want to say to all of you, thank you. I could not have gone on this missions trip if the church hadn't given me a good missionary offering. And I've been a pastor and a minister for 30 years. And one of the greatest problems that missionaries have is that they have to itinerate to raise their support. They actually have to go to churches upon churches upon churches upon churches upon churches. And, you know, we just saw that with the Ewing family. They, they are in Peru right now. Phyllis and John Cantrell's uh, uh, daughter and son-in-law. And they had to raise a lot of support, didn't they, Phyllis? She's shaking her head back there. Um, the support for this mission trip came out of one offering and another additional offering. And I raised above and beyond the support budget that I needed. So we were, that, that goes to you, church. <laughs> that goes to a pastor that promotes missions every Sunday. How about that? That goes to a church that realizes that it's about the Great Commission, that we got to have a global impact. Um, how many of you know, um, if we don't take our time to really invest in souls, when we go to heaven, who will be in heaven because of your witness? See, you may have the million dollars uh, bank account. Um, if you do, bless the church, I'm telling you. <laughs> Um, you may have the fancy car, you may have the, uh, the fame and the achievements and the plaques, but none of that goes to heaven. That's like wood stubble and hay. That's going to burn and stay here. Can anybody say amen to that? Okay, so I'm talking to the right crowd. I'm talking to the church. I went there, before I share the scripture, I, I want to give you a real live testimony. We got there and I've been up for over almost 48 hours. I've been up for two stays straight. The night before we left, I stayed up all night because I knew we were leaving at four in the morning. Now I'll tell you, everything that we experienced, Pastor, and everything that, that we were able to do was because of one major focus. I truly believe what carried the day for this missions trip was intercessory prayer. I'm here to tell you our intercessory ministry has tremendous power in the kingdom. And if you're an intercessor here tonight, I wasn't planning to do this, but I'm just feeling led of the Lord, and I know when it's the Lord. You know why when I know it's the Lord? My, my head stands up. My, there's a hot, hot feeling like tongues of fire. My head, it, my, my head is on fire right now, so I know it's a God. That's what I always ask God for confirmation. Tell me it's not Dominic and bad pizza, okay? I don't want it to ever be about me and the flesh because the flesh profits nothing, but the spirit gives life. But if you're an intercessor, you're part of our intercessor group, I want you to stand. And I know who you are, so you need to stand. When I'm asking you to stand, if you're part of our intercessor group, please stand. Are you seeing church this group? 
looking around to the front and the back. All right, you folks, have a seat. This was the strength of the missions team right here. I'm about ready to tell you a couple of things that still to this day I'm blown away. We get to Jacksonville Airport. Pastor Brent and I get dropped off by Brother Phil Smith. Bless Brothers Phil Smith and Debbie. They're just great servants. And uh, Phil took us to the airport, drove us there, dropped us off. We go in there to with our bags. We go to the check-in. And the manager of the Delta Airlines says, you're not going to the Philippines today. Brett and I looked at each other. And we had our bags packed. Phil had already left. <laughs> um, I said, you know what, Brett? I'm just going to take a minute and walk. And I... I just said, Lord, help us. And then the next thing you know, I had a text from Jakey Carmichael saying he'd been up through the night praying for us. I showed that text to Pastor Brent. Pastor Brent goes back to the front desk and says, you know, uh, we need to get to the Philippines right now. We need that. And five minutes later, that same manager that said there was no flights and we weren't going today to go home, he comes back out of kind of with a face that's just startled. says, you know what? We got two seats going to you. We rerouted you. You're flying out from Atlanta to Los Angeles, Philippine Airlines, and you're going to get a direct flight to Manila. Now, who can do that but our God? They had already told us no. So that, that got us there. Since I hadn't slept the night before, so 24 hours plus of flying and then 24 hours up the night before, so I'm tired. We get there, and we meet this beautiful couple. Just so happens that the senior pastor and the youth pastor are brothers, and uh, the youth pastor's wife also works for the airlines. So she got right there in front and got us in. And bless her heart, she got us there, and we went to the to the place where we were going to stay. And Pastor Brett and I had the same heart. We wanted to live among the people. If you're going to do missions work, I don't want to stay at a five-star hotel and be the blessed American that goes, let me tell you about Jesus. And these people are poor, living in huts, living on concrete floors. Are you getting the picture? I mean, it's a, it's a church that loves Jesus, but economically they're not that strong. But spiritually, they're giants. I'm here to tell you. I was overwhelmed. I saw their intercessory prayer meeting. They have a prayer meeting on Wednesday. That whole Wednesday service is prayer. But guess what? Saturday's the only day off. For most of the college students, they go to school during the week. Sunday's church. Saturday's their only day off. Now, how many of you know folks like to sleep in on your day off, don't you? Well, you know what this church does? They call it Dawn Patrol. They said they want to do Dawn Patrol. Dawn Patrol is you get up at 4 in the morning, you get to visit one of the church members' homes, and you have intercessory prayer for America and for the rest of the world. I mean, they take intercessory prayer to a level I've never seen as a church. They're getting up, and we got young people getting up. I mean... 
they're just energetic. You know, I, I'm not young anymore. I, I, I sometimes feel like I am, but I, I'm feeling those 58 years, let me tell you. We got there, and they're praying. And they are, I mean, praying in tongues. They're praying in the Spirit. Um, the pastor was mentored by an Assembly of God pastor. So his doctrinal position is Assembly of God, even though it's not an Assembly of God church. On it's called Green Box Church. And uh, they're praying. And after they pray, they have some hot chocolate. Um, and that's where you saw the picture of Odie. The man that I pointed out was a drug dealer and a murderer. He's there praying. He's on a little motorcycle, gets to the meeting. He's praying, and he's asking God to do a great work. And then he invited us to his home. First lesson you learn in missionary work, when they invite you to go to a home, eat what's in front of you. Don't ask. Are you hearing me? Now, I go to his home. His home is a hut. And I go to this hut, and he's got the walls are foam plastic, look like half of a, a tent wall, tie, tied up to a piece of a tree. And they cook outside wood, wood logs on a pot. And he cooked his meal that he was going to eat and offered it to us. And I know about culture. If you don't accept the meal, that's a great offense. So we prayed and I ate it and so did Pastor Brett. But after that trip, when I asked the pastor, did, he said he gave you his best offer. You're our guest. For the rest of the time, every time they offered me food, I said, I'm okay. Give it to somebody. Because when you see them giving you their very best, if that doesn't touch you because of their generous spirit and they're probably the most humble people group I ever met, they never draw attention to themselves. If, I mean, they were humble, they were happy, they were hardworking, they were honest. All of these are H's. They, they live very holy. God is number one. And there's, no, there's no number two. There's no number three. God is number one. Um, so as I looked at these pictures of these people, I was very moved by them to the point where when we did the uh, seminars, uh, I preached like I've never had preached in my entire life. I preached just a real... 10-minute sermon, maybe 15. Now, I'm used to preaching half hours about the earliest I get done, or maybe 40 minutes. But God had already put it in my heart. When you ask the Holy Spirit to lead and you get out of the way, God's going to change everything around to do it His way. And I'm so glad that He did. Because I found out that these people, after each sermon they fall into small groups. And here's one of my sermons. It's a series of questions. I never in my entire 30 years of preaching ever developed a sermon like that. I'm used to doing three points and the sub points, and, you know. But I wasn't preaching to American people. I was preaching to Filipino people. And I had never really got into a personal interview with a Filipino in America, which was a good thing. 
because I wanted to experience the culture firsthand and not have any information in my head that would cause me to be, well, let me look at you. But what I learned from these people was they would take the sermon right after the service and they would form five groups. They would count out the five, one, two, three, four, five. And then they would break out in the church in the small groups and discuss what did you learn about the sermon. So God had already put it in my heart by the Holy Spirit to list a series of questions. And all five of the teaching seminars were that way. And they were able to take the questions and, and use that to help them process the message. And it's the first time I've ever done that in my whole entire life. So I knew it was the Holy Spirit leading me. Well, let me tell you the rest of it. In missions, and this is hard for me to say, a lot of times in missionary works around the country and around the world, the American church comes in and builds an American church in an in a overseas country. And then after the American pastor that was there as the missionary leaves, that church dies out because culturally it hasn't adapted to the culture. It hasn't assimilated. The best way to do missions is let the national people reach their own people. It's like let the Americans reach the American people. But we don't do that as, as, for the most part as Americans. We, we want to we wanna build. We want to do this. And God broke my heart over there. This, this is what happened to me. Um, I'm asking the pastor that had done a series of, of, of teachings on the seminar, which was the first week. And everybody said they loved the message. But I just felt a need to ask the pastor. I said, can you tell me? How is the message being received? How am, give me a, how am I am I being helpful to the people? And here's where helping hurts. He said, Dominic, we appreciate what the gift that God is bringing in you, and we know that you can be a great blessing to our people. But Dominic, we got to tell you something. You're too intense for us. You ever get hit with a two by four? I don't know about you, but a two, when you get hit by a two-by-four, it can hurt. I, I wish they would have shot me at that moment. Because all I, I came halfway around the world to minister and to love on these people. And they're laid back. They're humble, soft-spoken. They, if they don't like something, they will never tell you to your face. They go to your best friend and tell your best friend. It's called saving face. They don't want to embarrass you. So thank God the Lord sent them out two by two. Because they told that to Pastor Brent, and he looked at me. <laughs> he being from Florida, he just flat out spoke it to me. Dominic, you're no longer an alpha male. You're too intense. You know, uh, that won't work here, Dominic. And see, I'm a type of guy that served in the military, so I know how to follow orders. Well, when he told me that, I went to my prayer closet and I cried. I said, oh, God, I don't know if I can change my personality. But I love these people. I see that we can provide a great benefit to them. They all had 50 students signed up for Bible college. I mean, they really were. The beauty queen signed up. You know, the, the, the Odie. 
the drug dealer and murderer signed up. And I realized that it wasn't about an American culture. I realized it wasn't about how gifted I was, that I had been to Bible college and graduate school and I'm finishing my doctorates come June. It wasn't about none of that. It was about, Lord, let me do your will and help me to help these people. So this is what I prayed. I prayed, God, you need to do spiritual surgery on me because I've been like this all my life. My daddy raised me to be an alpha male. He said, you're a Rodriguez boy and you're a tough guy. And he showed me how to fight and he showed me how to drink beer. That was my dad before he was a Christian. Once he got saved, it was a whole different talk. Son, we, we, we can't live like that like we used to. I said, I know that. But I'm here to tell you, and I got maybe 10 to 15 minutes left to tell you. I think the best way to tell you is that scripture talk to you. Let's let the word of God speak. I'm going to read you five verses that I think really resonated the most to me on this trip. Here's what I asked the Lord to do. I said, Lord, do spiritual surgery on me. Ever since I've been back, I've been back about a week. I couldn't wait to get to the prayer meeting because I'm ready to tell you in the next few minutes. Out of the 12 items that we prayed for, nine of them were answered in glorious fashion. I'm talking glorious fashion. Once I tell you them, once I read them off to you, because I wrote it down, and I'll make a copy and give it to Patsy as encouragement to our intercessors. God moved through prayer mightily like never before in my life. Because when I prayed God to do spiritual surgery on me, I said, Lord, I don't know how to speak softly. I've always spoken loud. Help me to minister to these people. And by the last day that I was there, the pastor looked at me and he smiled. We want you back, Dominic. And I said, brother, I know the Lord still has to work on me. He said, Dominic, we see God working on you. But then here's the amazing part. I get back and the intercessory group we were at yesterday, Barbara was there, Patsy was there, um, Margaret was there, uh, Dina was there, and, and, and Diane and several other that were there. They all said something to me that they didn't know that what I already knew. They said, Dominic, you've changed. We even noticed it on Sunday. And then I had Diana Mendez, who I've known for six years, and we've been really close, and her and her husband told me, Dominic, you've changed. Even in the way you prayed on Sunday, it wasn't as, because I asked God to do surgery on me so I could be a good missionary and do God's work, not on Dominic's way or personality or schedule. i died die to me so he could live through me. That's all I want. I just want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm planned to, be, we've already made the arrangements. I plan to be there in September of next year. We plan to... Uh, take the whole curriculum, 20 courses, and convert it into English and Tagalog. Um, and we've got translators. So there's a lot of work that we have to do as a team. And uh, Jakey and Cheryl and a few of us that are going to work in education and working with us. Uh, um, I'm just humbled. Let me share this scripture, and then I'll do the prayer request, and then I'll turn it over to the pastor to finish. Because uh, financially, 
let me just give you this report of the $2,300 that the church raised in the church offering. $1,000 was spent in the Philippines, 400 to a love offering to the senior pastor. He lives in a small apartment that really is fit for three people, and there's five people living there. So I talked to the landlord. I said, could you, um, what would it take to give him some relief? Because they can't, the, the children can't even sleep in a bed. They're sleeping on a half sofa. And if you've ever seen a, another pastor work diligently and hard and they're having a hard time, pastor to pastor, we just want to be a blessing. So I spent $400 and gave them eight months because the apartment that we stayed at was adjacent to them. So 400 of that 1,000 went to that. And then the pastor's wife would get up every morning at 4 o'clock in the morning to start to prepare the breakfast because she didn't have a microwave. Well, guess what? Your offering bought her a microwave. And I found out from Brent this morning, he said, Dominic, Sister Floyd is using the microwave. I said, well, praise God. First Assembly, you, you provided that. Um, the youth pastor, which is this young man that's standing in the blue, standing tall there next to the lady in white, the older lady. The youth pastor was my interpreter. He had just gotten married. He stayed the whole time. Him and his wife stayed with us, ministered to us. And the day after we left, they went on their honeymoon. So we gave them a love offering of $200. And you know what they told me? They said, Dominic, we prayed. We didn't have any money to go on our trip at all. So we didn't know how God was going to provide. And thank you for providing $200 love offering. Thank you, First Assembly, for doing that. For Pastor Raleigh Dermonte and his lovely wife, Sarah, so they could celebrate their first honeymoon as newly married. We provided that for them. I'm proud of you guys. I don't want to cry, man. I cry ugly, so don't, don't. But the rest of the money, I got a report for you, Pastor. I won't, I won't talk about the finances too much. But the 1300 that was left over is for my airline ticket for next year. That's already been provided by the church because when we go, how many of you know we're committed to doing a work for the kingdom? We're a missions-minded church. We're an intercessory praying church. That's the testimony of our pastor. That's the testimony of this church. Do you believe that tonight? Well, when we go there next year, we're going to go there, and I'm hoping that uh, Jakey and a few others can follow me because we need good teachers, and we got some of the best here. Um, but let me just give you this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 19 to 23. And I'm going to read it. Normally I read it from the New King James, but I like the way it, it sounded when I went through all the versions that I looked at. New Living sounded really, really good. So I'm going to read it, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, 
I did so so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. I want to read the last verse in the New King James. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partakers of it with you. See, the Apostle Paul had spiritual surgery done on him so that he could be cautiously sensitive to minister to the Romans, to the Gentiles. So I'm not the first guy that ever requested that. Paul is our example in missions. Because we don't want to hurt those people by being an ugly American and demanding that they conform to our way when really it's about lining up with Jesus. And Jesus loves everybody. For God, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. <coughs> I've talked about the finances. I've shown you the video giving you a devotional thought. And, and the thought here is that Paul was all things to all people to win them all for Christ. And Dominic wants to follow Paul's example from the Bible to be all things to the Filipino people. Let me share this prayer list that to me is the highlight of this whole experience. The first one was God's anointing to preach, teach, sing, and minister and the power of God in our meetings. In one of our meetings, afterwards they get ready to break up into small groups. One young lady in the meeting grabbed the mic and said she had been sexually abused, molested by a family member, and she had been dealing with the emotional pain of that. And in that meeting, she got free from that emotional pain. So I praise God for a powerful meeting. She'd been carrying that abuse in her life for years. And the Lord showed up mightily and brought grace and forgiveness. Then, then I got to experience koinia, which is the word we use for fellowship in the Greek. All the young ladies came and they started taking their turns, hugging her, loving on her. The pastor, uh, Pastor Brent being a pastor who had done some clinical counseling, he got with Pastor Well and said she may need to also talk to a counselor because now all of this has been brought up and she's dealing with it. And uh, so she was getting all the help that she needed from the church, from the pastor, and just a powerful testimony of God's anointing. Receptive hearts. Well, uh, we met a pastor, Angel. Pastor Angel, he's responsible. He's a city pastor. He has over 50 pastors in his network. He started out in ministry in 1984 as an Assembly of God minister and graduated valedictorian in Bible college. And he was so open to the gospel message that was being taught and preached. He said, you know what, we're going to make sure that our network knows about the Bible college and we're going to have some of our pastors go to the Bible college. So that's a city father He's probably, I don't know what his age, but, but I went to his church in San Pablo City. And that pastor had, we visited, he has two campuses. Um, 
He is a dynamic preacher and teacher. And I looked at his schedule. He had lined up on the wall, and I said, what is this, Pastor? He said, that's our intercessor prayer schedule. Our intercessors pray on Sunday from 9 in the morning till 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And they have their names every half hour. The whole church, everybody takes turn in intercession. They're praying from 9 in the morning to 5 in the afternoon, eight hours. And to them, it's a joy. It's a labor of love. So that's, you can see why they're such an anointed people. Uh, we were praying definitely for a site for the Bible college. Right now, we're believing God to get some property so that the Bible college will belong to the Bible college. Because if you, if you start to build a Bible college on someone else's property, they get proprietor ownership, and they can take over that whole building and all that money and work. So we have to purchase land. Knowing that, we said, Lord, you got to open, give us favor. And I think that was one of the prayer requests that I had sent out through the text. And here's what God did. An owner of a resort who had lived in New York City, Miss Nilda, first time we went, we didn't get to, to really speak with her about the use of her facility. Brett and I would look at it and say, boy, this is nice. I said, yeah, it sure is. It's probably the most beautifully manicured, long, it looked like American hotel. It looked like a three- to four-star hotel with a great uh, conference area. The conference area is going to be where we hold the Bible college. So by faith, we just stepped out there. Brett said, Dominic, let me sing her a song. Because I, that, that's what I want to do, Dominic. I said, Brad, look, Dominic, I'm going to sing an old hymn. She, she's going to like that I'm going to dedicate a hymn to her. And then you, then you negotiate. I said, oh, Lord, help us. <laughs> so Brett sang. And then I said, ma'am, um, would you let us use your conference room for about eight hours a week, four hours on Thursday night for class, and Saturday morning, four hours. And I thought she was going to turn me down. Then I said, you know what? And I'll stay here at this hotel the whole time as a resident. She looked at me. She says, you have your reservation for next year approved. Right there on the spot, <laughs> God showed up. Because <laughs> I'm not a good negotiator. Because, I, you know, I, that's just not the way I like to do things. But the Lord gave us favor, gave us safety, brought us back. On the, on the day that we were coming back, this is probably, I think I told Pastor this. I know I told Patsy this. We got there to Detroit, Michigan. This is after flying almost 20-some hours. We get there, and weather hold. Ice in Detroit, Michigan. It's cold, and it's snowy, and it's no planes are flying out. Well, there's a CEO of a company who lives in Jacksonville. He had just came from the bar, and he was just ripping. He was just, like, angry and upset. He tells the, the airline folks, I need to get home. And he says, you know what? I guess I need someone to talk to God or answer, have God answer this. And he was mocking God. And as soon as he said that, Brett looked at me, I looked at him, I turned around and said, let me tell you something, God answers prayer, sir. And I just went back. I didn't want to get into a discussion. But when you when you mock God like that, and I mean, he said it in shouting voice. 
so that everybody could hear that he was disappointed and frustrated because he couldn't make his flight to Jacksonville. Next thing you know, Pastor Bill's text said, we're, we're praying for your safety. This is last Wednesday night. So this, is, this ought to get you going. If you were here Wednesday night, you're part of this testimony. Next thing you know, we get an announcement. The flight to Jacksonville, which was scheduled to leave at 11 o'clock tonight, when we weren't sure if it was going to make it. Well, Jacksonville people want you to know your flight is not only on schedule, but it's leaving early. <laughs> and then guess what happened? You know what happened. <laughs> that guy that had mocked God, he looked at the other guy, and he went. And he said, you must be inward God, he pointed at me. You must have an inward God. I said, no, there's a lot of people praying for us leaving. And I gave all the glory to God. And he just, rest of the time, we got on the plane, and I went to the back where he was. He looked at me. I looked at him. I said, you know what? You need to go to church this Sunday and thank God for what he did for you. And he looked at me. He said, you know, I'm a CEO of my own company. I said, yeah, and you need to go to church on Sunday. And then I went back to my seat. And then we landed. My daughter picked us up. So God was good. I won't tell you all the other prayer reports. But I'm just here to tell you that uh, that one on Wednesday, that really kind of blessed me. Because we had trouble leaving, and then we had trouble coming, and prayer carried us through all the way through. So I give all the glory to God. The Holy Spirit is active in the earth. I really believe that our missions effort, I want to say this last thing, if you give me permission. I want to tell you a prophetic word that was spoken over me. Um, this young lady, when she gave this prophetic word, she was 17 years old. She had just attended the prophetic conference. And an American team came that was teaching on prophecy. And some of the best prophetic teaching I've ever seen in the 30 years I've been in ministry. And they put us in circles. Again, that one, two, three, four, five small groups. So they would take turns and they were teaching them that if you had a word, let it come forth. Just whatever God puts in your heart to say. So this young girl who had never prophesied grabs my hand. And she starts to get goosebumps and shakes. And I'm watching her. And she had such a beautiful spirit, calm, humble spirit. And she starts to speak a prophecy over me in Tagalog, which is the Philippine language. So I look at her and I said, you know what? I don't understand. I sense this is of God, but I don't understand. I don't understand not a word of Tagalog in the Philippine language. Would you be willing to write it in English for me? She wrote it in English. And I knew as soon as she gave it to me that this was from the Lord. So Brett and I get every night, we had a routine, and every morning, Pastor Brett and I, we get up early, sometimes at 5 in the morning. We have our prayer time. We have our, our Bible study time, and we would just assess our day spiritually. And then every night, we would assess it again and pray. So we were doing that routine. Well, when we get back to the room that night, Brett said, Dominic, that girl had a word from the Lord for you. I said, Brent, I'm not going to read it right now. I put it in my notebook, and I just closed my notebook. He said, looked at me. Why are you doing that? 
I said, because I got to pray and be sure, because I believe this is something from the Lord. So I really got to be ask God to whatever it is, I don't know. I said, Dominic, can I read it? Can I read it, brother? Let me read it. You know, this is pastor to pastor talk. Can I read it, brother? I said, okay, Brett, you read it. He reads it. I said, Dominic, I've been a pastor for 45 years, and I've been in some of these prophetic meetings, and some of the squirreliest stuff I've ever heard I've seen in some of these prophetic meetings. I said, Brett, so have I. And we got the smile. I said, but Dominic, and then he got real serious. He said, Dominic, this is the most direct. She read your mail. I knew that that was in your heart. She doesn't know you. She doesn't even speak English all that well. And she gave this prophetic word. I'm going to read it to you. And here's the prophetic word. Now, it just so happens that before we left, I asked uh, Dina Rodriguez to, to bring some Voice of the Martyr prayer maps for the Islamic people. Did you, were you able to pass that out to the intercessors and the people? Okay. So how many of you intercessors know that you got that, right? Some of you are waiting. Now, let me read this prophetic, and then we'll close with this and turn it over to pastor because it's 810, and I want to be done by 815 at the latest. This is the prophetic prayer. I'm just going to read it. It's in her handwriting. Again, she don't know me from Adam. Her name is Jessa. When God said this prophetic word to me, I was very amazed. I felt the presence of the Lord. It is goosebumps. God said that Pastor Dominic has have a desire to share the gospel to every Muslim citizen. He said that Pastor Dominic, don't be afraid. God is with you. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God will use you to reach the Muslim citizens to find their way back to God. I know that it's not simple, it's not easy to do, but always remember God is with you. You are created not to be guilty, ashamed, and defeated. You are you are to be victorious. End of the prophecy. Now, I just saw a couple of you put your hands up in the air, make big fists. Um, our group in America knew that. Those closest to me, Jakey and, and our eldership group in the Bible college knew that. That young lady never knew that. And when Brett read that, he said, Dominic, this was direct, because he, he was the one that printed up the Islamic prayer cards. And we believe that the Filipino people in that Bible college, there is a part of the Philippines, the southern island of Mindano, is 30% Islamic. And the students want to take the gospel to that place. So Brett told me, you know what? You will not go to every citizen, but that Bible college and those students that we train and equip, those students will take the gospel into all the Islamic nations because they're the only Christian nation surrounded in the 1040. But we got to pray that in. We got to believe it. We got to help it to happen. I'm just one of a few of us that are going and doing God's will. But this is a church that I believe, and this is where I believe this is going to bless pastor's heart. 
I believe that God is setting us aside as an Antioch church that's going to impact missions, impact. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see mighty things happen in this church through prayer and submitting to God and letting God have his way like never before. America needs prayer. We need the right president. I'm not going to tell you who to vote. I'm just going to tell you to pray for, for the leadership. That's what we were commanded to do. So as I turn this over to Pastor, may God fulfill his prophetic word. I tremble at that. I took a whole day and a half before I even read it. But now that I've read it, and you're the first people that I've shared it with, I just believe God's going to have his way, and I just want to be a willing vessel. So God bless you. This is my report. I'm done.